reset itself, and I started in Psalms again, Psalm number one. And it was uh, kind of interesting because as I was reading that, I thought, I could preach this. <laughs> it began speaking to my heart. Just exactly what we've been preaching here for the last, is it nine months now or maybe ten months that we've been here? so coincided with that that I could not resist uh, this message from Psalm 1. The psalm reads as, just a minute, I need to get it in my Bible here. And by the way, Gene is a very observant young man, as most Chinese are. And uh, he said, did you get a new Bible? <laughs> the other one was a little heavy. My arms are getting weak in my old age. And my eyes are weak as well. And I had to go to a little bit smaller font. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked, the ungodly, will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked or ungodly will perish. This is a very simple psalm, and it very handily divides up, I think, into three basic uh, sections. Speaking of the blessed man or person, uh, this word man is not just speaking to us as men here, but it's speaking to all of us, whatever gender we are. And whether we're an adult or a child, this is a word for us to listen to and to hear what God is speaking to us through Psalm 1. The use of the word okay, yeah, man is, is, could also uh, be mankind, but I've chosen to use the word person here. Blessed or blessed can be used either way. In English, do you learn the word blessed? He's a blessed man. Have you heard that? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary and it says it's an archaic word. We don't use that anymore. B-L-E-S-T. So if you run into that word, 
it's not archaic. I think we still use it. But maybe the one that wrote that dictionary is a little out of it. <laughs> but blessed is a right pronunciation. Or blessed. The uh, psalm is, is then talking about three things here. Blessed is the person that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffer. Psalm 1 describes the blessed person's character and actions in an emphatic negative declaration. Does not. Which is in keeping with the thou shalt not. Now thou is an archaic word, okay? You shall not worship any other gods. You shall not is basically the tone of the Ten Commandments. Psalm 1 is in line with the Ten Commandments by saying the blessed man or the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He does not stand in the way of sinners nor does he sit in the seat of scoffers. I believe that Jesus, who had attended synagogue school as a young boy and memorized Psalm 1, and he began his teachings to his disciples specifically, I think reflecting back to that word Blessed is the man that does not. What sermon was that? The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Jesus says in Matthew 5, he uses nine times, he uses the word blessed. However, he uses it in the uh, positive sense or tense or what's what's the difference between positive and negative? Is that a tense? That's not a tense. What is it? The negative or positive? Okay, that's what it is. He uses it nine times in a positive way. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. And I was looking for the tenth because I thought, well, this is in keeping with the Ten Commandments. So there's got to be another blessed there. And so I really read this over and over, looked throughout Jesus' whole long sermon, which is not just the blesseds, and I couldn't find another blessed. Why? Why didn't he fulfill the law? in his dissertation ten times, then it would surely be like to us. The law. The full law. 
Well, here's something. I've never heard anybody else preach this, and it's probably partial heresy, but you're going to get it anyway, that it was nine times plus himself. We have had teaching these, this last year concerning the Old Testament and how it is fulfilled in the, the New Testament. And I think we have an instance here also where it is fully fulfilled. Nine blesseds. And then what Jesus ends up with in Matthew 5, 12, the verse says, but rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. I think that Jesus was saying, this is the way you look at the law and the fulfillment of the law. The law, I think, if you look at it, yes, it is what is expected us to us of a righteous, holy, just God. And therefore, he demanded of his people that they shed blood, that they sacrifice animals on behalf of our sin as mankind. That was over and over and over. Thousands of animals. We've talked about that. Many of you probably wish I wouldn't be talking about that, but I, I feel that this has got to be emphasized upon us because of the fact that we take so often lightly what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But he wants us to know. God, a righteous judge, judge wants us to know what the cost was to him. That he bore that. That we identify with it. As sinners, every one of us. It was for my sin. It was for my pardon. It was for me that Jesus was the ultimate, final sacrifice for sin. He completed it. And so we have nine blesseds. And now we rejoice that Jesus fulfilled the law which we could not fulfill. When we look at these commandments or these, uh, this, this blessed, of what the, what the blessed man does, he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He does not stand in the way of sinners. He does not sit in the seat of the scoffer. We see here an action that is not just uh, simply walking, standing, sitting, but it has real meaning. Paul talks about these three actions in his letter to the Ephesians. 
But Paul speaks of it in reverse order than what the Psalms lists it. It's walk, stand, sit in the Psalms. But in Ephesians, it's sit, walk, stand. We'll we'll read those passages. Ephesians uh, 2, 4 to 7. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. There is a very famous Chinese pastor that many of you possibly have read his his books, I'm not sure. Watchman Nee. How many have heard of Watchman Nee? Okay, about half of us. Have you read his little booklet, Sit, Walk, Stand? When we were at a friend's house, okay, how many have read that? Okay, two people. You know what? There, I know where we can get nine copies of this book for a dollar ninety-seven. <laughs> I better get them. So I'm going to order. Well, actually, I think it's eleven, but we'll find out how many Amazon can get us. But I would like to get the stock of those and make them available here. It's very uh, easy reading. It's very small. It's only 40-some pages. But it is powerful. It's talking exactly what I would love to preach to you. But I haven't got the time, nor probably even the, the power to do it. Tremendous teaching on sitting, walking, standing. Watchman's knee says, the order that Paul puts it in is in the order in which we theologically and practically have have been uh, living out those three actions through Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, you cannot walk, you cannot stand until you sit first. Sitting is not just, well, just lounging in the chair. It is resting. This is a basic teaching on what we've been talking about in Ephesians of we are in Christ. We are with Christ. And that's what Paul says here. We are, he has seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's a place of rest. You're all resting. It looks, you look restful here. Maybe I should sit down with you and rest as well with my jet lag. 
but we are resting as we sit. And in resting, we come to a place of sitting in a place of victory that Jesus Christ has won for us. You know, here in Japan, we have a church that, I'm just talking uh, very, very generally, but the reason why a lot of people don't go to church or join church in Japan is because as soon as you enter the door, somebody comes up to you and says, okay, we're looking for somebody to uh, vacuum the auditorium every Sunday or every Saturday. You laugh. That's acknowledgement that there is some truth in that. They stay away because somebody will jump on them and grab them and put them to work in the church. That's not what Jesus does. We need to learn how to rest in Jesus Christ. We are not working for our salvation. There's not an ounce of energy that we can put forth to save ourselves. And that is a truth that we need to get deep down inside, right in our bones. That we know that we are resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the, on the cross. And it's not up to us reading our Bible every day and trying to be a good Christian boy or girl so that somebody can pat us on the head and say, oh, what a wonderful Christian you are. That's not what the Christian life is about. The Christian life is about us resting, receiving Jesus Christ finished work on my behalf and I relax and I rest in that. The knowledge that I can't save myself. Regardless of how hideous my sin is or how minuscule, how small my sin is. Sin is sin. And God doesn't see, I believe, the difference between a big sin and a small sin. Sin is sin. And Jesus Christ paid it all. And we can rest in that. And not try to be a good Christian. A good Christian understands this principle. And that's why I'd like you to read Sit, Walk, Stand. By our Chinese friend, Watchman Nee. Tears flow even more and more the older I get, so please bring another box of Kleenex. (laughs) If we have confessed our sin, if we've asked him to come in to our heart and lives, and we allow the Lord to live in us, he has cleansed us from all unrighteousness, and we are seated with Christ Right now. Not in the future. This is not when I've died and gone to heaven. It is right now that he has committed his life to me and to everyone in this room, for every man, woman, child 
ever born. That's the gospel. That's why we can rejoice. That's why we can rest. And that truth, if it gets inside of us, will make us the kind of Christian that Psalm 1 is talking about does not sit in the seat of the scoffer. I don't know whether it was um, Marx or Lenin, but one of those guys said, I am not going to allow anyone to die for me. I'll pay for my own sins, thank you. He knows the truth now. We need a Savior. And He is a wonderful Savior. And He has died for us. And we can rest in that. This is a question of allowing Jesus Christ to rule and reign in our lives. Blessed is the man who is seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Paul then goes on to Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. And we read, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Did you catch that context? Where was Paul when he wrote this? He was in prison. And I understand that it wasn't just uh, bars and uh, a small room that he could walk around in. I understand that with this kind of a prisoner that Paul was, who was going to Caesar to be judged whether he was guilty or not of breaking or being a troublemaker in Israel. He was chained to a guard and perhaps even two guards, one on each side, so that he could not escape. Maybe they had heard about Peter who had escaped out of uh, prison and uh, they weren't gonna, about to let this prisoner go. But Paul was a prisoner. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Could Paul freely walk? No, he might even had a ball and chain on his, on his foot and he couldn't walk. He wasn't free to go where he wanted to go. He was chained as a prisoner. But yet, he is talking about walk, not in the sense of walking across the room or out on the street. He was talking about attitude, demeanor, 
lifestyle, living from the heart that Jesus had given him. Even though he wasn't free to make his own decisions about his life. Because he was in Christ. He could stand up inside and walk. And so for the person on this side and the person on this side that he was chained to, he could share with that prison, those prisoners or those uh, guards freely every day. And they probably were saying, "Why? how did we get on this duty? And I imagine there were several of them that came to Christ. Let's understand that Paul is not placing our life in Christ as trying to keep the law, but is to rest in Christ and his finished work for us that he had perfected, he finished on the cross through the power of being resurrected by God his Father. Thirdly, Paul emphasizes Blessed is the person who stands. Finally, in, 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 in uh, Ephesians 6, 10 to 11, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. You know, we think of uh, the armor of, uh, of God Every one of the uh, pieces of armor that are, are mentioned in Ephesians 6 are defensive, not offensive. Think about that. Even the sword is defensive. Katie just whispered to me, sword. And I think that what she means is, yes, the word of God is, can be an offensive. Like, it'd be like a sword. That's what Jesus used when he was out in the wilderness and be tempted by the devil. The devil says, doesn't the word say this? And Jesus says this word back to, to Satan. And it is an offensive, but basically all the armor that we have that allows us to stand is defensive in nature. And Watchman Nee brings that out in his book. And it's quite profound to think about that. He says, we think of ourselves as being... Uh, going out into the world and conquering the world. We think of ourselves as Christians that it's our task to get out in the world and spread the gospel, and that is true. And the enemy is the one who is trying to uh, come back at us to keep us from going out. Watchman Nee says, no. We are standing 
ground that has already been conquered. This world, who does it belong to? The devil says it's his. We know who made it. We know who it belongs to. We know the real owner. And it's our position as Christians in the world. This spot that I'm in, where you've placed me in this school or in this company, Satan, you have no right here. I have been placed here. I am standing here as your servant, as your witness, as your testimony that this is yours. Do you see yourself in where God has placed you as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ? You're not there just because, oh, I wanted to get into that school. I believe it was because God opened the door for you if you believe in in him and trust in him, and he places you there to stand. That is God's territory. That belongs to God. And we do wrong to think, well, we need to hide. Because the enemy is so powerful here in Japan. He is not. He is a coward. He's afraid of us. To see someone stand there taking abuse and being persecuted for righteousness' sake is what God intends for us. That is his offensive weapon. But we get to stand there and represent him in that position that we're in. What a wonderful way to look at mission. I encourage the crew team to think about that. It wasn't just an accident that you came here to Japan because you always wanted to come to Japan, because you were born here in Japan, then you were over in the United States. Shun, you belong here. You are here. And this is the ground you need to stand in. Dan, the same way. They may want to kick you off the campus. But God has given you this this standing place. Same with Mahdi. Every one of us, I could could point you out. Even Brandon with his green hair. (laughs) You're standing in that place. And that place is where God has placed you. None of the rest of us could stand in your place. Same with James next to you there. In the U.S. military. What a hard place to stand. But it's a place where God has put a circle around you. That is God's territory. And you stand because you have the armor of God be able to stand there. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And he will try all kinds of tricky ways to get you to think, 
No, I've got to run. Or, I've got to fight back. No, you need to. What? What's the first thing? Sit. Rest. That's where our power is. Our power is in being able to rest in that place that God has put us. And we remain then victorious. You don't need to buy the book now. (laughs) Wow, I can't believe I've only covered one point. I was going to make this a 30-minute message. Oh, boy. Well, could you guys stand it again? Well, that's the best part's yet to come. Go out and tell your friends and tell them to bring, and we'll get the front row here filled up. Let me just go to this tickler here. Blessed is the person that delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We sang that song. Uh, What was the name of the song? Thy word hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's where our rest then becomes enjoyable. I'm meditating on his word because it's feeding my spirit and it's allowing Jesus' life to be stronger in me so that I can come to a place of rest. Hurry up and get strong so you can rest. But we need to, we need to learn how to rest as a people. But in his but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Trust and obey. There is no other way. Thanks for choosing those uh, hymns this morning, Dave. That's where we need to be as believers in 2016. This is the the work that God has for us to do this year, is to learn how to rest in the victory and power that we have in his finished work on the cross. And it's done. It's finished. Jesus declared that on the cross. It is finished. And we have everything that we would ever seek to, to have from Jesus Christ right now. Not in heaven. Yes, I want to go to heaven. Yes, I'm looking forward to go to heaven. I want to be in heaven. But that's not really my goal. My goal is to be with Jesus. And he's here. And he's in us. And he's with us. And it's his power. It's his life and not ours.
and we rejoice in the Lord that we have that confidence, that knowledge, that understanding. If you want to receive uh, a copy of that, that book and keep it for yourself, and I'll get the $1.97 returned to me, I will uh, have a list out there on the back of uh, my first uh, page of notes here. Put your name on there, and I will order as many as are on there, as many as I can get, of Sit, Walk, Stand by Watchman Nee. Okay? The Lord bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your life that has been given to us through your Son. And then in the infilling of the Holy Spirit and standing, sitting, uh, walking, and standing, we're in that place of greatest blessing, of the ultimate Christian life in the world that, that you have placed us in. And I thank you that it's not dependent totally on me or on any one of us. But Lord, you are in your people. And I pray that our eyes would be open to understand that we're seated with you in heavenly places. Now. The reality is now. And that we walk as Christians in a manner, even though we feel imprisoned. Our attitude, our heart is, we serve you. And Lord, that we can stand against the enemy who assaults us and challenges us. And we sense that his power is greater than us. But that is a lie. That is not your truth. He is the father of lies. You are the father of truth. And we can stand our ground and not give in. And know the fullness of Jesus Christ in us. Where you have placed us. Bless my brothers and sisters here this morning. We thank you for each one of their lives. In Jesus' name, we give thanks. Amen.